It's hurricane season, so what does that mean for mass attendance when the storm is on your doorstep? How much do you know about the faith? Does the Catholic Church have a stance on gun ownership? And football season is here. Has football become a religion? These topics and more coming up next. Welcome to A View from the Top with Bishop Gregory Parks, Bishop of the Diocese of St. Petersburg. A View from the Top is a candid and hopeful conversation on current events that affect our church, our community, and our country. Now, here's Bishop Parks and the General Manager of Spirit FM, John Morris. Bishop Parks, it's great to see you again. Yeah, good to be with you, John. It's been a little bit of a, a time since we've met, but I think that was partly due to the summer <laughs> months. So, Absolutely. But, but great to be back with you. Yeah, how you doing? Doing well. Um, had some a uh, little bit of health uh, issues recently. Um, those who know me may know that I've had some chronic issues with my feet and unfortunately had another battle with that this summer with a surgery or two. But I'm on the mend and getting back to ministry, which I love. So it's good to be back. At our last pastoral center meeting that we had earlier this week, you really expressed, and I wish I recorded it because it was a great expression. I don't know that you can repeat it, but how much you miss going out to the the churches. Yeah, I shared with our our staff here at the Pastoral Center that probably the most frustrating thing with recovery has been that I haven't been able to engage in my ministry as a bishop, uh, both here at the Pastoral Center, but but also to, to the people of our diocese. I love going out to visit our parishes and our schools and different ministries throughout the diocese, and I just haven't been able to do that. I haven't been able to do what I love. So I uh, look forward to gradually getting back to that. Well, we're glad to have you back here at the Pastoral Center. As we record this program, we're recording on a Wednesday, and Hurricane Dorian is still sitting off the Florida coast, creating a lot of havoc. Over the weekend, there were some questions from some parishioners about, should we go to church? And I know the church, the diocese, and the Church Universal has rules about that. Yeah, they sure do. And uh, first of all, John, want to, uh, of course, express our our prayers and our solidarity with uh, those in the Bahamas Mm -hmm. who were just devastated uh, by the effects of Hurricane Dorian. And um, we as a diocese will be reaching out to them to see how we might be able to help both in terms of resources, but also some donations to be able to assist them with rebuilding. Yeah, I mean, this was a really an incredible storm. And, um, uh, you know, it's, it's also interesting how the path changed so quickly. Right. You know, just uh, say a week or so ago, it uh, looked like it was going to come right across the state, right through Tampa. Sure. <laughs> and, uh, and then within a few days, the path kind of uh, gradually went eastward and then up the coast. Some might attribute that to, to nature and the different fronts and high pressure and low pressure. I like to say it was the prayers, you know, right. because we always pray for protection from storms. But to answer your question, of course, safety is always the, the primary concern. And so that is in effect even with regard to going to Mass. And if uh, going to Mass or being out on the roads during a storm uh, would put somebody's safety at risk or, you know, get in the way of first responders and so forth, we would, of course, dispense from that obligation for Sunday liturgy. And uh, I considered that uh, this uh, particular storm, but it wasn't necessary. We actually had a statement ready to go if we needed it, but it wasn't necessary because of the change in path. So does that come from 
uh, the bishop, or does that come from the local pastor? No, that's uh, that's the bishop's decision to dispense from on a diocesan-wide level to dispense those who live in our diocese and those who are visiting or traveling through from that Sunday obligation. And, but you could make the call that only half the diocese, like those, say the storm came up and, and, and went through Citrus County, but Pinellas County and Hillsborough were spared, you could just say those in Citrus County. We, we could. However, you know, our diocese, I think maybe I've mentioned this before, is is the smallest diocese in the state. We're only five counties. So area-wise, we're just a few thousand miles, square miles uh, in area. So generally, any storm that's going to hit our diocese okay. would, would hit almost uh, all of the counties of our diocese. Sure. But, but yes, you, you could, of course, on a geographic basis, designate certain counties that would be dispensed and others would not. And with hurricanes, and we saw this in our own diocese, and we saw it throughout the public schools, the universities in the area, there were questions about school closures. Uh, What's the protocol here in our diocese? Because it's changed over the years. Yeah, we had a change about a year ago. We used to strictly follow the uh, public school closing. So when, for example, Pinellas or Hillsboro, Pasco County closed their public schools, we would follow suit as a diocese. We've gotten away from that and we're making our own decision on closures. The reason for that is because public schools very often need to make announcements regarding closures well in advance of when the final track of a storm is known. And that's because public schools serve as shelters and they need time to prepare, to welcome those seeking shelter into those schools, but also then to clean up afterward. So their closures might be more prolonged than ours would need to be. So we have a team here at the diocese and I'm, I'm part of that. And ultimately as bishop, I make the final decision where we evaluate the uh, storm conditions and safety issues and then make a final decision on closing our schools. I know the pastors have to feel some pressure from parents. <laughs> in, in both ways, John. Sure. Some, some wish we would close and some wish we would stay open. <laughs> well, exa- you know, for a parent, especially on a Labor Day weekend, they're seeing this as a hey, an extra vacation day. But others, they have to figure out what they're going to do with the kids because they have to go back to work. Of course. And and we do take that into consideration as well, because if, uh, if we are closing schools and probably we're going to close the pastoral center also because our employees, our staff has have children and probably most of our parishes and would also close their offices. So all of those factors go into to making a final decision. But again, safety is, is, is the ultimate determining factor. Speaking of schools, schools started back since our last recording. The Pew Center for Applied Research came out with a, a study, and the results found that, uh, uh, number one, agnostics and, and Jewish uh, faith seem to know more about religion than the Protestants and the Catholics. And I found that somewhat interesting, not so much troubling, but interesting in that, okay, well, what does that mean, and do we have to do a better job of teaching the faith? Well, I think certainly always we have to do a better job of catechizing and evangelizing and and teaching, you know, the basics of our faith. First of all, probably would not compare ourselves to to other denominations and and so forth. We have we have enough to to do ourselves. Right. But anyway, but I think that is something that we do need to recognize is that that's part of our primary mission is to to pass along and to transmit the essential teachings of our faith, uh, the tenets of our faith, the practices, and um, that's something that we need to do as a church. 
But John, it also needs to be reinforced at home. Again, uh, parents and and, uh, guardians are the primary faith educators of their children. We're there to assist and, and to help them. But whatever we teach has to be reinforced and taught at home as well. So I urge our, our parents to engage in, in spiritual faith conversation with, uh, with our children, whether they be young or whether they be adults. And uh, that's another way of teaching the faith. You know, I was just kind of reflecting myself. I have no idea whether this is true or not. I, I have relatives who are of the Jewish tradition. And from what I gather, the Jewish tradition is very law-centered and study and, and that sort of thing. So I could see where, okay, they might be a little more educated when it comes to other religious denominations. And the same somewhat with the agnostics and the atheists in that they want to disbelieve everything or try to prove it in some fashion, whereas Catholics, Protestants might take it on faith. Yeah, and, and that's something that we do have to recognize is that we, we believe that when we are baptized that we receive the gift of faith. And faith is indeed a gift. It's not something that we're just naturally born with. It's something we have to desire. And I, and I think we are born with that desire because we realize that our reality is greater than ourselves and that there's a being, for us, God, <laughs> mm-hmm. who, um, who exists and who created us and brought us into being. And we have a desire to get to know him and to have a relationship with him as he desires to have a relationship with us. But um, because we can't always see and prove the things that we believe in. We rely on that gift of faith, on that act of faith, to embrace the teachings of our faith. In past conversations, we've talked about the decline in mass attendance and then the general malaise in practicing their faith in general. Is that a reflection of over the last 20, 30 years of going to a more humanistic society, you think? Uh, well, I'm not sure about that. I, I think our worship, uh, specifically talking about going to church mm-hmm. on uh, on the weekend uh, or even during the week, our, our liturgy, the way it's structured, I, I think is both a blessing <laughs> as well as can be a challenge because it is the same. You know, it be- can become very rote in that we kind of just go through the motions of responding, but we're not always thinking about or embracing in our hearts and in our minds and souls exactly what we're saying. We're just kind of responding. Um, again, that, that can be a difficulty. It's also a blessing in that, of course, as Catholics, we can go to church, go to Mass anywhere in the world, even if it's in a different language and, and kind of know what's going on. But it does require, you know, that when we go to Mass, maybe before Mass begins, just to say a quick prayer and, and ask the Lord for the gift to be able to enter fully and, and to consciously enter into that liturgy and to embrace all the aspects of it and what we're saying, actually think about what we're saying. And when we do that, I think the Mass takes on greater significance and importance in our lives. We just finished our fundraiser at Spirit FM, and I personally, and I know the volunteers, we took a lot of phone calls and a lot of people that are supporting the radio ministry, and when we asked them, where do you go to church? About uh, half the respondents tell us they go to a Catholic church, the other half say non-Catholic. But there is a, a good percentage of people that say, I don't belong to a church, or I'm looking, or I listen to the Mass, or but they don't belong to a church community. Why is it important to belong to a church community? Yeah, so there are many people in our world today that we, you probably heard this, they consider themselves to be spiritual, right. <laughs> but not religious. And what that means is that they most likely believe in God and, and Jesus Christ, 
but they don't want to belong to a particular religious denomination. We think it's important to belong to a, a church and to a denomination and to a parish to have the, the support, to have a community behind you, to gather together to pray. Again, Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in their midst. And so to come together as a parish community that shares the same faith, professes that faith, and then helps each other to live that faith, that's why it's important. I know, like, especially when times get difficult, a lot of people will go back to church. We've seen it in national emergencies where people will go to church. 9-11 was the last really big example. But I think it's important for those people that are, they might sit in the corner at church or sit by themselves or maybe show up to church because they have a loved one that's sick. And it's important to just be able to touch and hold the person's hand next to them and share what they're going through. And that's how we, as you say, two or three gathered, might be a big church, but you make a little community within that church, and it's important. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. And whenever you come to Mass, uh, either during the week or on a Sunday or Saturday evening, take a look around. I mean, if you were to ask the people that are sitting around you why they're there, I can assure you you'd get a variety of responses. Everything, if they were honest from, well, it's an obligation, I have to fulfill my obligation to be here. Uh, others, because they're on fire for the Lord, and they need to be fed each week with his word and with his body and blood. So we need to support each other wherever we are on our journey. And part of belonging to a parish community is that we're there to reach out to each other. So maybe take an opportunity, if you see somebody at, at Mass each week and you've never introduced yourself or even said hello to them, uh, maybe make an effort to do that. It takes courage. Again, we're sure. we're into courageously living the gospel right. here in our diocese. Uh, it takes courage to do that. But that might be just what it takes to draw that person in, maybe a little bit closer to the Lord and to that community. Because people that are just there out of obligation, they're at risk for leaving uh, if they don't feel part of the community. If it's just based on guilt, right? If I, mm-hmm. if I don't go to church, I'm going to go to hell. They need to be part of that community and feel that the community cares for them as well, as, it, as the community cares for each of us. You mentioned body and blood a moment ago. One of the findings in, in the survey said, and I'm going to quote this, 7 in 10 Catholics, 69%, say they personally believe that during Catholic Mass, the bread and wine used in communion are, quote, symbols of the body and blood of Jesus Christ. That's problematic. Yeah, it sure is. But, John, this goes back to the whole question about making an act of faith. You know, because when you think about it, in in reality, how is it that bread or something that looks like bread, kind of, and wine, which is, these are everyday elements that we have on our tables and that we're very familiar with at home. How is it that those simple everyday elements of bread and wine can become the actual body and blood of our Lord, body, blood, soul, and divinity. It it kind of is beyond our understanding how that can happen. That's why it requires an act of faith to, to believe that what our Lord has told us, this is my body, this is my blood, is in reality what it becomes, his actual body and his blood. Even though it's there and looks still like bread and still looks like wine, tastes like bread, tastes like wine, the, the substance of what it is, the essence of what it is, has changed, and it's the body and blood of our Lord. So for those that are struggling with that teaching or that belief, uh, again, it would be an invitation to pray for greater faith. You know, it, it was said, Lord, I believe. Help, my, help me in my unbelief, 
right? So I think it, it requires that we pray for the faith to believe what our Lord has told us in his word, in the scriptures. And you can read all about that in John chapter 6. And I, I would also encourage that if you have questions about the faith, go to your local Catholic church, uh, whether, whether if you're Catholic or if you're not Catholic, and say, uh, this is what I have heard. Can you set the record straight for me? And uh, I think that's a great way to get it started. Talking about religion, football season is here. It certainly is, John, and, and it's most welcome. <laughs> it's uh, We're in the baseball stretch, the home stretch, but football season is here, and a lot of people say it's like a religion, mm. uh, especially here in the South. Uh, and, you know, when I heard that on a documentary not too long ago, it got me to thinking about the comparisons of football and religion. People of all walks come together, united for one purpose, a belief in their university. We're talking about college football, but it could be for pro as well. They'll give money to support it, a lot of money to support it. They dress in special clothes for the game. We dress up, hopefully special, to go to Mass. They have music and songs to rev people up and get their their school cheering. They treat players like religious icons. When these players make the walk from the buses up to the university, it's like saints. Uh, The people treat them that way. Why can't people have the same passion for their faith as they do for a sport. Yeah. So, so John, just to take your analogy a little bit further, does that mean that the head coach of the team is the bishop? He's it's like, like the, the bishop, bishop, you know, right, right, right. <laughs> kind of directing things That's and over, right. overseeing everything right. going on. Fortunately, though, you can't be fired. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully well, not. That's, but, right, uh, that's what I mean. Yeah, the, I, the other guy can. I still re- you know, re- report to the Holy Father, to the Pope, <laughs> but and ultimately to the Lord. But sure. To, to respond to your to your point, you know, I think we have to, to recognize that football, whether it's college or pro, even high school uh, here in the South is big, you know, is entertainment. And, and we kind of crave that. We long for that in our lives. We want to be entertained. We want to enjoy. We want to laugh. We want to cheer. We want to get behind a cause. And, and so football provides that to us. Our faith and mass is not meant to be entertainment. It's meant to be spiritual. And it's meant to help us lead us into a closer relationship with God and with his son, Jesus Christ, and, and one another. So there's two, there are two different things. So you can't make a perfect analogy sure. between the two, though there are some but similarities, people, but, as, you, yeah. as you point out. And, and as you rightly said, some, some put a higher priority on sports, on football, uh, than they do on their faith. And we would say, well, why, you know, why can't people cheer? Why can't they have that excitement when they come to Mass? Again, it's there. There are two different things. One is meant to be entertainment, though some people put it at a higher level than even that. Almost becomes life and death, whether their team wins or not. Right. But our faith is consistent. You know, we don't have those ups and downs. Uh, and again, it's meant to be spiritual. It's meant to touch our lives. It's meant to touch our souls and to lead us closer to the Lord. When you come to Mass, of course, the greatest gift is that we receive our Lord, both in His Word and also in the sacrament, in his body and blood. And that's something that we can offer as a Catholic church to people. Yeah, maybe Father's homily is a little bit off that weekend, or you know, maybe his energy level isn't as high as it should be, or could be, or normally is, but the Lord is still present there. And that's a great gift, the greatest gift, really, that we can receive. That's right, that's right. Even our football teams have off Saturdays. <laughs> <laughs> they do. And yeah, and the, the other good thing is, you know, even in sports, you know, it's always edifying to me when you see players after the game or before the game kneeling to pray. 
and sometimes they'll show that on TV. Not often, but right. sometimes you'll see them down in the end zone kneeling and in prayer before a game. And um, I think that's a great blessing to us that even though they're playing the sport and they, they recognize it for what it is, they also recognize that their faith is of even greater importance. And then switching gears real quick, a couple of uh, listeners and people commented on our social media, so I want to get to those questions real quick. Does the church, the question is, does the church have a stance on gun control? Yeah, good question, John. Uh, it's kind of, a, in a sense, a neutral issue in that we would not be against somebody owning a gun. It depends what they're using it for. Uh, if you're using it for hunting, for example, or for sport, of course, that would be permissible. You know, uh, That's recreation, and that's fine. If you own a gun to do harm to somebody, then yeah, the church would have an issue with that and would say that's not an appropriate reason to go out and to harm innocent people, as we see unfortunately, way too often with these mass shootings. So it really depends on the reason why somebody might own a gun. And the follow-up question to that was, is there a stance on protecting oneself during a violent act? As far as somebody pulls a gun on me, I pull one back. Yeah, we we believe in the right of self-defense, you know, and and to protect your life. I mean, God gives us our life as a gift. And uh, if we have the opportunity to to protect ourselves by using uh, proportionate force or means, we're able to do that. You know, we we, we shouldn't... uh, You don't want to take their lives. No, of course not. I mean, that would be a last resort. But certainly, uh, because we recognize that life is a gift from God, uh, we want to protect life and do what we can to protect it. Uh, The other question came in, there is an idea that there needs to be deep ecological conversion. And this might go back to Laudato Si, the, the Pope's encyclical. Pope Francis has emphasized the importance of examining one's conscience regarding our sins against creation. This person says, I was taught in Catholic schools that when we sinned, we sinned against our creator, God. When reading the writings of the great saints, uh, saints or documents regarding the church's teaching, uh, sinning against creation was never mentioned. What do you say? Yeah, so I would say that creation by God, the, the world, as he created it, is a gift which is given to us. And we, as, as God's people, as his children, are called to be good stewards of that gift, not to abuse it in any way, to use it, certainly, uh, to sustain life, uh, but not to do anything that might be ultimately very harmful to our world and, and to the ecology. We're all called to be stewards of our, our earth, our society, uh, and the community around us. Yeah, we sure are, you know. And again, we have to, you know, you look at the beauty of our earth, and, and, and you couldn't really think when, you know, in any other way than it was created by God, someone greater than ourselves. We have to do our part to protect the world. I don't think it needs to be a political issue for us as Catholics. It's a faith issue. Uh, and again, just recognizing that gift that God has given to us, and being the good stewards to protect it and not abuse it in any particular way. And the Pope uh, wrote an encyclical a few years back. I think it was 2015. It might have been published. Laudato Si. You can read more about the church's uh, stance on all the ecological issues there. As we close out today, would you lead us in a prayer that continue prayers for the people of the Bahamas and uh, those that are going to be in the path of, of the hurricane? Certainly. So let us pray. God, our Father, we praise you and thank you for this day. We thank you for all of your blessings. We thank you for keeping us safe uh, during this most recent storm. And, of course, we lift up in prayer to you those who have been adversely affected, uh, those who are suffering, those who lost their life during this hurricane. 
We pray that through our generosity, through our compassion, through our solidarity, that we may be able to reach out to those in need and to offer them assistance during this difficult time. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. For more with Bishop Parks, including past programs, his social media accounts, and ways to subscribe to this podcast, visit dosp.org bishop. A View from the Top is a production of Spirit FM 90.5 and the Communications Office of the Catholic Diocese of St. Petersburg. A View from the Top is made possible by the annual pastoral appeal and listeners like you. Thank you for your support.